Hi and welcome to our In and Guard podcast on the employment law issues that we have all been experiencing around the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak. I'm Sarah Chilton. I'm a partner at CM Murray in London and I'm chair of In and Guard, but I'm joined today by some of our experts from around the world who are going to share with you their experiences and advice and insights in relation to the employment law issues that they are looking at and helping their clients with as a result of what's been going on throughout this global pandemic. I'm going to introduce the participants and then we're going to get on to chat about what's been happening. So I'm really pleased to welcome Anne-Marie Waringa from the Netherlands, from Van Hal Advocaten, based in Utrecht. Also Beth Hale, my colleague, a partner at CM Murray in London. Inge Derde from Belgium, from our Inningard member there from Bell Law, and Mercedes Balado from MBB Abogados in Argentina, and she's in Buenos Aires. We've got Kathy Q from River Delta Law Firm in Shanghai in China, and we've got Ulf Gucke from our member sites in Germany, and he's based in Cologne. So thank you all very much for joining me and for participating in this recording. So We've obviously all got slightly different things going on in our own jurisdictions around the government's responses to the COVID-19 emergency. And I thought it'd be helpful at the very beginning of this just to set the scene as to what's going on in your own jurisdiction and then the kind of economic impact that that is having in relation to workers being able to go to work and people potentially having to look at uh, things like redundancies. And then we'll go on in a little bit to talk about, you know, what actual options are legally available to employers but it would be helpful just to set the scene and set the context first. So can I start first of all with going all the way down to uh, South America and asking you Mercedes what is happening in Argentina around this? Hi everyone thank you for having me here. Well we are going through a mandatory isolation measure that was taken by our government last Friday 20. So they established a mandatory social and preventive isolation in all the Republic of Argentina, so far from March 20 to March 31. During this isolation, there is no permit at all to go out from the, your houses, uh, except from buying food, medicines, or cleaning supplies to a, to a store nearby. And there is police all over the country, this is mandatory for everybody except for those people who are working for like rendering essential services who are, which are enumerated in the decree that was passed last Friday. All other people, those people that are not included in the essential services, they need to remain in their houses. They need to agree on home office uh, policies with their employer. And if you cannot do home office because of the nature of the services that you provide, then you, could, you have to stay home and there is a benefit for the employer because they don't have to pay social, uh, social security, but you need to remain home. That's the mandatory role here. We, so essential services who are allowed to go out and to, to their work premises are those covered by healthcare personnel security and armed forces, supermarkets, mini markets, pharmacies, hardware stores, uh, industries or really in industries related to food making, hygiene, cleaning, medical equipment, sanitary supplies. They are all the, produ the production chain and supplies. Uh, non deferable activities related to foreign trade, 
activities related to products distribution and commercialization of agriculture, uh, passenger transportation, but it's considerably like the necessary one, not like the normal public transportation, of course. The postal and packages distribution services, technology services, the Wi-Fi, all that, because it's needed to do the homework. Then you have essential monitoring, clean and guard services. And then some hotels that are affected by the health emergency services because they are hospitals now. There is a rumor, but pretty strong, that this mandatory isolation period is going to be extended at least until mid-April. And there will be more activities that could be allowed, but with more restrictions. So if you are within these essential services activities, you need your employer to issue a certificate stating what you are doing, prove what you are doing or with certain information. You have to include certain information that is mandated and established in another regulation that was issued by the Ministry of Labor. And the employee should, uh, can go out and if he's uh, detained or stopped by a police officer, he has to show this certificate together with a, with a statement that he has to fill in a form within Buenos Aires state only. That is a, an acknowledgement, a public acknowledgement saying what you do. And also you have to carry your ID and salary receipt that will prove that you're under that profession. And you have to identify what essential services you are rendering. So that's the general overview. Then there are also the regulations that were passed related to COVID-19. Also established certain groups of risk that must not, under circumstances, render services or are accepted from the duty to render services unless they show no symptoms from COVID and they are under home office. These risky groups are all those people that return from the risky areas, which are classified as China, United States, Chile, Brazil, all Europe, and, uh, and that will be it, but it's pretty much. So you return from those countries or you, are, you were in touch with someone that has come back from those countries or you have COVID symptoms or you're related to someone or has been in touch with someone that has had uh, COVID symptoms or sick from COVID-19, or you have a disease like heart aches or heart problems or breathing problems or diabetes, or you are older than 60 years old, uh, then you are within this, or you're pregnant, uh, you're within this risk group and you are accepted to render services to attend, uh, but you can do, if you don't present any sick symptoms, uh, you can do home office. So that's a pretty broad overview of what's going on. Thank you. We'll come back and talk about what the impact that that had on businesses and on employees in particular and what protections they might have in a little while. Kathy, you're in Shanghai. What's the position now in China? In China now, um, because our government has controlled the COVID-19 step by step and the whole uh, society is uh, trying to bite to normal gradually. Uh, now the commercial activities uh, have begun to resume gradually and some do not require approval first and uh, some still need approval. For example, uh, in Shanghai, the office of the group for prevention and control of the epidemic of uh, 
uh, COVID-19 in Shanghai issued uh, one notice. Uh, the notice clearly says that the government confirmation for uh, reception of work for the bookstore performance activities, the chairs, the car, card room, and the in indoor swimming pool will be canceled from now on and uh, resume work directly. However, for some, uh, like uh, the theater performance activities, movie theaters, and the studios that use the uh, underground space will still need to report to the government for confirmation of a reception of a work. Thank you. And so are, are most yeah. businesses opening and employees able to go to work and get to work? Yeah, because we use uh, dif uh, different uh, steps the, before we worked at home and then maybe a 50 percentage of our employees work at home uh, and uh, work uh, back to office now basically uh, maybe around uh, uh, 17 uh, 80 percentage of employee go back office how has the economic impact been in terms of are you finding that things are going back to you know normal economic um, conditions so people are doing business and kind of uh, optimistic about that and trying to um, you know get back to normal or are people quite nervous about things? Yeah this is a big challenge for the whole society and all the, uh, all the companies and all the employees just trying to avoid the uh, impact. However the impact is, uh, is here but all the people are trying uh, to, to make the best uh, effort to reduce the loss uh, as much as possible. Maybe later from other topic, I can mention some about that. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank and you. Um, Beth, do you want to just give a, a quick summary of where we've got to in the UK this week? Yeah, thanks, Sarah. So we, um, since Monday evening, have had uh, slightly stricter, well, quite significantly stricter um, rules placed on restrictions placed on our movements in the UK, people are being told that they should not leave the house uh, other than to do essential shopping. We're allowed out to do one sort of form of exercise a day and then only with our people who we share a house with, so people in our household. And gatherings of two or more people are being broken up if they are not with people with, from within your household. It has become very strict um, and police are enforcing those rules. And certain, quite a lot of parks in London, so big parks where they are fenced are being closed to prevent people breaking those rules. So it does feel quite, quite draconian, but obviously we understand the reasons for it. In relation to people who are vulnerable, so that's uh, people who are over 70, who have some underlying conditions, including diabetes, including um, heart disease, respiratory diseases, and also pregnant women, particularly those with underlying conditions, um, are all being asked to do what's called shielding. So they have to stay in and they're not supposed to leave the house at all. And they're supposed to get other people to do their shopping for them and to provide them with what they need on a daily basis. So um, those people are being asked to do that for a period of 12 weeks. The very strict measures on others are in place for three weeks, but are likely to be extended. But they don't say how long they're going to be extended for. They're going to be revisited after three weeks. And in terms of who's allowed to go to work, can you just tell us a little bit about who's allowed to go to work, who will have to work from home and who might not be able to go to work and do their job? 
Sure. So there's actually a little bit of confusion around that. So there are some people who are very clearly allowed to go to work who are called key workers. And those are, for example, people who work in the NHS, people who are necessary for keeping the justice system running, although lots of courts have closed. But where there are court hearings being done by phone, those are people who are responsible for keeping the, or involved in keeping the justice system running. Some government workers are all key workers who are being, who do have to keep on going to work and schools are remaining open for the children of some of those key workers so that those people, to facilitate those people continuing to go to work. In relation to other workers, what the government is saying is, if you can work from home, you should. No one should be going to work unnecessarily, but it does seem that if your job is impossible to do from home, you may still be required to go into work provided that the employer puts in place appropriate social distancing measures so allows people to keep two meters apart and provided you don't have to breach those social distancing measures during your commute. I think there's a particular area where there's quite a lot of confusion and quite a lot of unrest is in the construction industry that a lot of construction workers are still being told by their employers that they need to come to work but proper measures are not necessarily being put in place in their workplace and also some of them are having to commute so the tubes are still running in London and public transport is still running in other places to get key workers to work but there is a little bit of confusion around who can actually be required to go into work by their employer. Thanks Beth and Anne-Marie what's the position in the Netherlands are you on such a strict lockdown? Thank you Sarah. Well in the Netherlands we do not have a total lockdown yet. At the moment the shops are still open all the shops, not only the food shops and pharmacies, so we can still go there. Of course, there are some regulation, the social distancing measures, where you have to keep apart for 1.5 meters and the number of people who can go into the shops is limited. Besides that, for us, for example, all court sessions are cancelled, no hearings will take place. It's not really clear yet until when, only urgent matters will take place. But most of the time, of course, that's not employment law. Besides that, for the social distancing, restaurants and bars are closed. Also, contact professions are prohibited. For example, hairdressers, physiotherapists, all schools are closed. And people have to work at home when possible. So that leaves a bit of slack. Besides that, of course, all the children are at home, so they have to do homeschooling and work at home at the same time. Only people with the so-called essential jobs like doctors, nurses, police officers and teachers can go to their jobs. Besides that, two days ago our government has taken additional actions. Still not a total lockdown but a bit stricter. Events are prohibited until the 1st of June. So we have I think around 65 more days with these measures. All other Meetings are prohibited, so not more than three people extra can visit somebody else, also in the houses. Of course, the social distance measures have to take into account when people meet each other. And group formation in public space is prohibited, even if it's accidentally. And the police officers are allowed to give quite big fines when people do not keep social distance measures. Thank you very much. And how does that compare to the position in Germany right now? Thank you, Sarah. It's a bit like in between. I mean, first of all, we have a bit, it's, it's not a kind of a uniform situation in Germany as uh, 
these measures are, are subject uh, to the jurisdiction of the federal state. So it's a bit tried to get a more uniform. So and it has become more uniform. There are a bit more stricter rules in Bavaria and the Saar region where they are nearer to like Italy or France, where we think there are more infections. But generally, uh, we don't have a total lockdown. We have social distancing. We have the schools closed. Most of the shops are closed, with the exception of, of course, the essential ones, food and pharmacies and so on. Of course, uh, hairdressers uh, are closed. People are supposed to either, if they go out, either with the people from the household or otherwise not more than two persons and to keep a distance of at least one and a half, better two, two meters. What we don't have otherwise is is a total restriction on going to work. So people, it's more or less, most companies try to do as much uh, work from home as, as possible, but there's no specific lockdown on businesses. So I think the government tries to keep work life running as much as possible. I think it's it's kind of a medium solution. To, to some extent, it's more restricted than in, in the Netherlands with regard to, to shops. Um, but with regard to people going to work, it's maybe a bit more relaxed. Otherwise, I think it's more or less in line with lots of our European neighbours. Thanks, Ulf. And Inge, what about Belgium? What's the position? It's actually all schools are, of course, closed. All stores are closed, with the exception of food and pharmacy. Because we are so close to the Netherlands and there the shops are still open. There were some touristic towards the Netherlands. But in the meantime, the frontier is closed. So the, the police is checking that you stay in Belgium and that you're not going anymore to the Netherlands, if not actually necessary. Secondly, the companies, if they are not essential, then they have to install homework. If that's not possible, then they need to have social distancing within the company. And if that's not possible, they have to close. All essential companies have to have as much as possible homework. So, for example, we are an essential business, so we have to work home if possible. But if not, we can go to work and, if possible, also social distancing, of course. But if it's not possible, we can continue to work anyway. So it's all a bit of what other countries are doing, with one small exception uh, in Belgium, until yesterday, Hairdresser was an essential profession and the hairdressers could continue to work till yesterday. For the rest, the courts only work for emergency procedures and some courts are still uh, have hearings, but only with the lawyers present, no other people can be there and uh, one case after the other. But every court decides it for itself. So we have to check every time if that court works or not. That's a bit pity that there is no general regulation on that. Finally, just for just for lawyers, all essential terms will be postponed. So no problem with regard to prescription or those. But life is going on. People are going out a lot to walk. But for the rest, it's very, very calm. And already 3 million people, but I... I assume that you're coming back to that um, a bit later on, but already 3 million people are paid by the government instead of by their employers. 
thank you. I mean, I think there might be some debate as to the essential nature of hairdressers. I know, not to make light of the situation, but I know there has been apparently much consternation in the UK and lots of Google searches about hairdressers and how to do your highlights at home. So that's one of the slightly less serious issues that's come out of the situation. I know I'm getting slightly concerned about that one. So moving on to what support governments have put in place for employees during this particular position. Uh, you mentioned, Inge, already that three million people are being paid by the government. I know um, Beth will come on to talk about what the UK government have done. And we're aware of some other governments around the world that have stepped in, really taken on the liability of the wage bill for employees from the employers, which is pretty unprecedented, I think, in almost all of our jurisdictions. Should we start? Um, let's go back to you, Cathy, and ask you, what did the Chinese government do when you were in full-on lockdown and people could not go to work and therefore could not do their jobs? In China, when the employee who is, who is ill, uh, during the uh, central medical treatment uh, treating period, the employer shall pay the sick leave salary according to the regulation of the local government where the company locates. Uh, the minimum sick leave salary shall not be less than uh, 80% of the minimum local wage. However, uh, during this uh, special period, uh, if uh, for those employees who are infected with uh, uh, COVID-19 should be paid as the same as they work, this is a really um, big uh, guarantee. Uh, this is uh, one thing. And also, um, the medical staff and epidemic prevention workers who meet the conditions can receive temporary worker subsidies and bonus issued by the state. And now the uh, also state support measures for the enterprises uh, include per providing discounted support for corporate loans, tax deduction, uh, periodical reductions, and the exemptions of our corporate social insurance premiums, uh, unemployment and work injury insurance, and the periodic reduction in employee medical insurance contributions paid by the employer. Um, so a lot of examples. So this is um, just uh, some something I want to share at this moment. Sarah. Thank you. And, and so I just um, just to clarify what you said at the beginning, the employer would normally have to pay the person's wage. But during the lockdown, did you say the employer's obligations got taken over by the government or the government made the employers still pay the employees? Oh, OK. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> uh, should be paid. Uh, the government made the employer to pay to the employees. Yeah, this is because the obligation of the employers. Okay. Um, yeah, that's what I thought you said, and I just wanted to check because that's obviously a, a bit different to some of the uh, reactions. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and was there an alternative for those employers to, for example, if they couldn't afford to do that because they weren't making any money, because they weren't producing any goods, for example, would those employers have terminated those contracts of those employees? Actually, um, now the the government just um, uh, encourage the employer and the employees to negotiate uh, about um, the salary and the work part, uh, like a work at home, use annual leave, use some leave in uh, ahead 
uh, and also maybe reduce the workload and pay less than before. Uh, a lot of ways uh, leave to employer to negotiate with the employee. Basically, now the government to encourage uh, both parties can take their obligations to to bear the loss because uh, all the people want to go through this uh, difficult uh, time. Yeah, thank you. That makes sense. Um, how does that compare then uh, with what's going on in Argentina, Mercedes? Have the government introduced any support for businesses and employees and employers? Of the COVID uh, area, the government what it, it tried to do is to kind of issue measures pretty soon in a very preventive way in order to try to avoid the overwhelming uh, of pandemic. So the measures were just issued last week. So we are in a pretty early stage also about issuing measures related to the COVID-19 and how to handle it. Considering that Argentina is a very protective country towards employees in terms of what comes to labor and employment law. But so far, the government has not issued any regulation regarding state-founded wages for employees yet. However, the benefits for employers that can be pointed out is, like, let's say, those employees who may not work under a home office regime are entitled to receive their full regular salary, but the amount paid will be considered of non-compensation nature, so social security contributions are not, they don't need to be done. And it's also important to say that these measures are really for a short period of time, because it's kind of comprehend the period between March 20 and March 31st. So we are expecting more measures as from that point when we all believe that isolate, mandatory isolation will be stronger or extended. In case the employees work overtime during the emergency uh, situation and because they are related and they are involved in essential services, the overtime doesn't have to be paid in terms of social security obligations. You don't, employers don't have to make social security contributions for a 95%. So they're exempting for 95% of social contributions to the social security system. If you need to recruit someone because your industry is related to providing essential services, you can recruit someone under a temporary uh, employment contract, which is not the rule in Argentina and in all Latin America. In Argentina, the rule is to hire someone for an indefinite period of time. You kind of uh, hire someone under a temporary employment contract and also you have a social security benefit because you only have to pay, uh, you're exempted for the 95% of social security, you just have to pay healthcare and medical insurance. So far, as I said before, there, there more measures are expected to be taken towards this because industries and activities are really being hurt in all countries where the COVID is going on pretty badly. We believe, I believe as, uh, that in, in this sense, the, the government will need to take some measures in order to try to handle both things, to balance a little bit because employers are uh, at this stage very concerned 
because they not only they have to pay the salaries for the people who are staying home and not working, but also like if you terminate someone right now in Argentina, the termination is without cost, which is the general rule because of due to the protective nature of our regulations. You don't only have to pay mandatory severance, but you have to double it because the government last year, due to the Argentina crisis, passed a decree saying that all terminations without cause will have to pay double severance. So employers right now are really constrained because they don't only have to comply with the COVID regulations and pay salaries regarding the fact that people may not be rendering services for their home because they cannot. But at the same time, because of the performance or because of the need of the activity, they need to, to terminate someone, they have to pay double severance. So that's quite complicated right now. That there is some procedures that may be taken considering force major or terminations or suspensions. But so far, and in order to do that, to pursue that, you have to file a procedure with the Ministry of Labor, with the participation of the union, in order that, and that would allow you to terminate uh, personnel paying half of the severance or suspend personnel without paying salary. But right now the ministry is closed, as all the courts here too, except from emergencies. And the thing is that in order to kind of frame an event such as this one, as a force major, you need the government or the legislations to intervene because so far, cause a force major is just for like economic things or issues that the company may have. I have they have to prove they have done everything in order to sustain the business. And so far, the COVID has not been framed as a cause that may be uh, argued as a force major cause. However, uh, I think that as I said before, something needs to be done. It might not be crazy if like in within one week, because this is very dynamic as the COVID is, and it's moving pretty, every single day is a new regulation. So it would not surprise me that the government will take measures just as try to lessen the burden on employers as well, because they have to take care that that the companies are not flying out or they're not like going bankrupt because this is going to be, it is, it is already a really complicated and a situation that they don't only have to protect employees as they always do, but they also have to take care that the companies will not uh, lose the business because then, you know, all the economy will be broken because there will be no jobs or no activities. So it's a complicated scenario. My feeling is that also, maybe the, the government take also a, a step back uh, in the decree that uh, has mandated to pay the double severance because that will, it will be a, a way to, to less the burden on, employ, on employers if they need to terminate someone because they would be just paying the mandatory severance, which is a lot. So uh, maybe they give a step back there and they put an end to this uh, decree mandating the double severance. Uh, everything is about to see in, 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 in Argentina. As I said, uh, we are in a pretty early stage so far, and I'm sure that next week when the mandatory isolation is extended, uh, there might be further uh, measures taken by the government in, in both ways. 
Thank you. So it's a moving uh, feast, I think. Um, I mean, it's moving for all of us, I think, but it sounds like you might be expecting some new things to come in quite quickly. Um, and Ulf, what's the position at the moment with employers and employees and the government stepping in to help uh, in Germany? I'd say there are essentially three ways in which this is structured. There, there may be a fourth one, which we are currently exploring, but there's one one very small area, which is quite attractive if it happens, which is if you're under official quarantine ordered by state authorities, then the government will pay um, the wage to some extent, or like it will take for full, like for six weeks. And then after that, the employee will, will get a lesser amount. But the next big thing, and that, that is, this is, I think, the, the biggest measure that's currently in place and working is, is short-time work. And I think the government thinks um, they will solve most of this, this by short-time work. So this is, uh, you can have short-term work in, in any extent. So you can reduce by any percentage you like up to uh, 100%. So or you work zero then. And if you have short-term work zero, the employer doesn't have to pay anything at all to the employee. Uh, the employee will then get uh, money which is comparable to unemployment pay. And uh, normally uh, the employer was obliged to still bear the social security contributions, but that's, this has been changed now too. So this is all borne by, by state funds. So um, that's quite attractive for the employer. But on the other hand, there are a lot of uh, collective bargaining agreements which provide for top-up payments by the employers so that the the loss for the employee is not that big so this will also relate to to the net payment that they have and you try to make up some of that so like the the, the state short-time work pay will be either 60 percent of your net income uh, if you have no children or 67 if you have children so that's this is uh, now has been very liberal and the conditions have been lowered so that's a big thing uh, the other big thing is now what they have put in place are, are liquidity helps and, and credit helps. So that is kind of uh, like different tiers for the very small one employee up to five employees. There will be set uh, liquidity help. So that's, that's kind of, I think, just amounts that they get. And the higher up you get, it will resort more to, to credit help, like state guarantees, um, for um, large amounts, so um, there are hundreds of billions set aside for these measures uh, where you can have state guarantees, uh, equity, hybrid instruments just to, um, to provide money to um, the companies. Of course, that means that still at some stage, this money will have to be paid back. And of course, I think that's what the government wants. They don't want to have a kind of lost funds sent to, to the companies. but uh, hope that they will be able to retrieve retrieve most of the um, most of the money. Then there is uh, there's a kind of a which uh, like the first thing the the uh, continued remuneration during quarantine. This this is uh, in the Infection Protection Act, and the Infection Protection Act also has a very well. No one has really noticed before. There's a there's a provision which might open the door for for state compensation if your business is closed due to um, state measures like a kind of partial lockdown now. So if you have a store 
which is not food or whatever. So it, it has to be closed now. One might argue that um, this provision might apply or other provisions of, of state liability law. So I think that this is probably a, something which the government doesn't want. So they will fight that because it, it would mean that there, of course, that would be um, a, f a flood of money that would be leaving the state coffers. So, uh, but we kind of working on that for a couple of clients and see whether that that might be a route to go at least um, to get make a bit have a bit pressure on the government to to have more direct subsidies instead of just credit help. Presumably that Infection and Protection Act was, if it was something that was in place already, was it designed for, say, you know, if there was a localised outbreak in a hospital or a localised outbreak in a food restaurant provider, you know, for a number of days that there would be some sort of protection for wages? Was that in the initial logic behind it? It looks like it, it was certainly aimed for for very restricted uh, cases, iso isolated things where maybe also uh, you had uh, objects which were uh, contaminated and had to be destroyed, something like that. So apparently the uh, the focus uh, by the legislator was a bit different, but I mean the wording might allow a different construction of that. So. Uh, that's a very interesting thing and uh, very new and there's no cases on that and, and hardly any any literature so it's uh, it's all, all very new and we're trying to to make our way and probably it, it it will only mean that to increase political pressure because i mean if you want to uh, claim that and you have to run through the instances i mean uh, all those shops will be insolvent by then so it's, it's i don't think it it will really work legally it might work politically Thank you. And Ingate, what's happening in Belgium? Have the state stepped in in any way to protect employers yes. or are they having the burden? Yes, absolutely. When you're sick, you're paid by your employer for one month. And then after that first month, you, the government is taking it over and is going to pay you a certain amount. So if you're sick, you're fully covered. Now, if you can prove as an employer that you're people cannot work anymore due to the corona crisis, then the government is taking entirely the cost of your employee over. What does this mean in practice? That if um, you follow a certain procedure, uh, the employee will receive an unemployment allocation on the basis of force majeure, and the employer can stop paying. So if you don't work, you're not paid by the employer, but by the government. It has a bit of a strange effect, meaning that people that can go to work because there is social distancing or it's an, uh, it's an essential uh, company, do prefer to stay at home because they're paid anyway, they're afraid to go to work, and they just say, do not come to work and we stop. At this moment, we know that more than one million people are under this uh, new system. In, there are only six million people in Belgium that can be professional active. Given the fact that all people working in, the, in schools and in the hospitals and so on are paid by the government, this means that the government is paying at this moment more than half of the professional people. Um, of course, it's not the salary that people are used to, but for many people, it, 
well, it does not change that much. It's about 1,400 euros per month that can go up to 1,700 euros per month. What are the other measures taken by the government? There is a possibility of postponing the payment of taxes, VIT, and so on. And they have decided that companies will not be declared bankrupt in the coming months, which is, I think, a very good idea because this means that if uh, companies have it very bad in this period, that they will have the chance to recuperate after and so it's a substantial measure, I think. But for the rest, we're still waiting for the official legislation on this. As you know, we do not have a formal government. So it go, it's rather complicated to install all those new measures. But we are Belgium, we manage and we continue and we, we're waiting for the formal decisions today or tomorrow. Thank you. Uh, so I suppose watch this space for any updates as well. What is the position, Anne-Marie, in, in the Netherlands with the government stepping in? I mean, it sounds like you're not in so much of a lockdown as a number of the other people on this recording. So perhaps there hasn't been the need yet for that. But has there been anything, any announcement? Uh, yes, actually they have. Uh, in the Netherlands, there's quite some uncertainty. Uh, so, uh, in the Netherlands, to avoid redundancies and to help businesses and employees, they have come up with a new regulation, a new scheme, and that's called the Emergency Measure Bridging for Work Retention, uh, also called the NOW program. Uh, the official regulation is still under construction. So, yesterday there was a little bit more information, but until now, we know that entrepreneurs can uh, apply to this program when they expect a loss of turnover of at least 20%. And when they get into this program, they can apply for a salary contribution for a period of three months. Then 90% of the wage bill will be paid by the government, depending on the loss of turnover. The employer then has to pay 100% to the employees. So an advantage of 80% of the requested contribution may be granted by the agency, the employee in insurance agency we have. So this actually allows companies to continue to pay their employees, which of course gets a bit of the uncertainty out of the way. The only thing is that of course a company have more uh, costs than only for personnel. So besides the cost for personnel, most entrepreneurs, they don't receive compensation for the extra costs they have, like housing, etc. So it's a quite uncertain time. And they also ask a lot of advice about the issues they're facing, because now they have to decide if they apply to this program, because one of the conditions is then that no employees will be dismissed for economic reasons during this subsidy period. And this subsidy period is three months. So the employers have to make a balance of interest if they go apply to this program, but they don't know if they uh, don't go bankrupt. And on the other hand, they can intervene um, and don't apply to the program. And they go lay off people they don't need at the moment because it's, uh, of course, less business. Uh, so it's uncertain times and 
employers don't know what's going to happen in the near future, but the government is still working uh, this out and uh, is trying to get a good program so people will not lose their jobs. Um, besides that, they also allowed businesses to postpone paying VAT and to have a bit more slack in doing that. Thank you. Um, and I think, Beth, there's a couple of measures there that are not dissimilar to uh, what's going on in the UK. Do you want to just uh, finally just wrap up for us what the UK position is in terms of the government help scheme? Sure. So they're, they're doing a few things to, to help businesses and there are more to be announced. And I think, as everyone else has said, this is constantly changing. We understand that there are measures to be announced this evening in relation to self-employed workers around whom there's been a lot of concern because they haven't yet been offered anything substantive. So what has been offered firstly for self-employed workers is a deferral of income tax payments and a deferral of VAT payments. Um, what they have offered for employers, to, for businesses, is a number of things. There are, there are interest-free loans and then the, the key thing and the thing which I think is most sort of radical and most unusual in the UK is a, what they're calling the job retention scheme, whereby the government is saying that if uh, employers put someone sort of into a temporary layoff, a temporary break from work as an alternative to redundancy, then the government will pay up to 80% of their salary for a period, for, the, for now they're saying it's a period of three months from the 1st of March, but it may be extended. 80% of salary, which is capped at £2,500 a month. So it, it won't um, cover 80% for the higher paid earners, but it will, they, they will cover 80% for those who earn up to £2,500 a month. It is evolving thing and, and, and the details aren't yet clear, um, but employers are already starting to um, take advantage of it or seek to take advantage of it, even though the payments aren't forthcoming yet. And I think the comfort it provides to employers and employees is that people won't be can, can avoid being made redundant for a period while this is ongoing. Thanks, Beth. Uh, so I think that sort of wraps up our key issues in relation to what employers are facing in terms of the issues they're facing, the various different measures that are in place across our jurisdictions and how that impacts upon workers and their ability to do the job, work from home, uh, not do the job at all. And then also Kind of the key government helps that are that are in place across the jurisdictions which are really there to avoid redundancies obviously the uh, remedies in your own countries will remain as they were i think in most cases uh, people are, have still got other alternatives open to them uh, asking people to change the terms and conditions and potentially thinking about terminating but hopefully what has been achieved by the range of measures that we've heard about today in our jurisdictions is some sort of ability for employers to keep operating to keep afloat and to keep their employees in as employees over this period and so hopefully that will mean that we all come out of this at the end of it um, in a strong position so we thank you very much for listening and thank you all very much for contributing today to this recording i should just to add a sort of housekeeping point which is that we're recording this on, a on the 26th of March and as has been referenced by a number of our participants this is an evolving and fast-moving situation so um, if you are listening to it uh, much later than the 26th of March then obviously just make sure that you uh, check in with the up-to-date position um, and do feel free to reach out to any of us if you need specific help in your own jurisdiction 
um, and also just keep a check on our websites and on the Inn and Guard website for any up-to-date information and we will hopefully be bringing you some more updates and information in the next few weeks. Thank you very much for listening.